0: week strongly, strongly want to encourage you to go to our web, dwellingplacemovement.org and listen to last week's. It really set the foundation and frames uh, what we are looking at this month with seed the clouds, seed the clouds. I want to read from Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, just a reminder that now all of our message notes and the sermon cards that used to be physically printed, all of that now is available digitally um, through social media or through the Bible app. If you go to the Bible app, click church events, find Dwelling Place Church, all of that is there to serve you, not just in this moment, but throughout the week, throughout the week. You know that your ability to recall what it is that has been sown into your heart is greatly affected by you going back and engaging in it. That not just in this moment hearing it, but going over it again. And that's why we serve you in uh, with those resources. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Then one more Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want to teach a message today titled, Sowing Mindsets. Sowing Mindsets. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, to the best I know how, I yield to the Helper precious gift, the Holy Spirit, that Lord, it would be more than words, that there would be an impartation of the presence and person of Jesus, that your kingdom would come and demonstration and power into hearts and minds, that you would, Holy Spirit, bring clarity and revelation and spiritual understanding, that you would break deception and lies and apply the victory of Jesus. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Here we are in our main text in Galatians, a book that was a letter of the Apostle Paul to all the churches in that region. And Paul is dealing with this issue of people coming behind him and seeking to divert the attention, the focus of the believers back to the law or the law of Moses and away from Jesus Christ who fulfilled the law. There is this issue that has been thrust upon the churches in Galatia of what will you trust in? Will you trust in the law, which is a work system? If you do A, then you will get either the result of B, you'll get a blessing, or if you do this, you'll get a curse. Will they trust in a law system, or will they trust in Jesus Christ? And the issue is not just what you trust in for justification. Justification means to be declared innocent, to be justified, to to be let free and, and let go of where you were previously guilty. It was not just about trusting Jesus or the law for justification, right standing with God, but also what will you trust in for living? What will you trust in? regarding how you mature in Christ. Paul spends the first four chapters dealing with this issue. Do you want to be under the law, or do you want to be under Jesus who fulfilled the law? Do do you want to go back to an old system that, that God says could not give you life and could not empower you, or do you want to focus on Jesus and learn the new system, the way of the Spirit? So he spends the first... Four chapters going through this. And then in chapter 5, he begins to give his main exhortation of how to live the life of following Jesus. And then in chapter 6, he concludes. And there we find our main text in Galatians 6 and verse 6. And notice he says, God is not mocked, do not be deceived. For whatever a man sows, that he or she will also reap. Paul here begins to talk about sowing and reaping. This ties directly into this series of seed the clouds. It ties directly into what we looked at and taught last week regarding the seed cycle. That God says as long as as the earth remains there is seed time and then there is harvest. Paul here though in the sowing and reaping is talking about sowing mindsets. That You and I need to understand that God has designed and orchestrated life to work in a way that you have to have a mindset of understanding sowing and reaping. We are to live with the mindset of understanding that he who sows to the Spirit will reap everlasting life and yet he who sows to the flesh will reap corruption. We're to have a sowing mindset. The word sow there in Galatians 6 is a verb. It's an action. It means to sow, to scatter seed. Two important things up front is that you can sow spiritual things. A lot of people think that when it comes to sowing, we're just talking about sowing natural seed. But you can sow spiritual things. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 9:11. He said, if I have ministered spiritual things then what is it that I should then reap material things? So we can sow spiritual things. We can sow spiritual things like love, kindness, self-control, gentleness, patience. Secondly, what you sow is not the harvest that will be. Last week when I held in my hand a sunflower seed, a sunflower seed is not the exact same thing that you will harvest. A sunflower seed will grow into a sunflower plant. And so what you sow is not the harvest that will be. For instance, you might sow self-control, but you might reap a promotion in your job. You might sow love in your marriage, but what you'll reap is a better marriage. You might sow a listening ear of empathy to a person, but what you reap is a friendship. So... What you sow is not the harvest that will be. Paul here brings into this context of sowing and reaping that you and I have an option to either sow to the flesh or sow to the Spirit. What does this mean? It means that the way God created you and I is there are desires of the flesh and there are desires of the Spirit. Now one of the interesting things to note is that in Paul's teaching here, he doesn't make a distinction whether he's talking about the core of who you are, your spirit, or the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, it's just pneuma, it just means spirit. For followers of Jesus Christ, our spirit, though, is in union, has been joined to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. So in that sense, it's, one and the same when it comes to application. That there are desires of your flesh and there are desires of the Spirit. Now, if you're here today and the word flesh is new to you, if you don't have a comprehensive understanding of what the flesh is, all you need to know for today's sake is when we talk about the flesh, just think about your body. Your body. You have your body has desires, and then your spirit has desires. Now let me talk for a moment about sowing to the flesh. When we sow to the flesh, it feels good to sow it in the now. But it reaps feeling bad longer later. And this is why Paul is exhorting the, The Galatians and exhorting us even today through his writing that was inspired by the Spirit of God that you got to have a sowing mindset. That you got to understand that every day, every moment, you are sowing. You got to have a mindset that understands that. And when it comes to sowing to the flesh or sowing and serving the desires of the body, It feels good to sow it now in the now, but it reaps feeling bad longer later. Notice he says that those who sow to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Corruption there is the Greek word for decay. It means spontaneous infliction or ruin and corruption. The Greek word that he used there for corruption comes from a root word that means to wither or to spoil. Why is that important? Because we're talking about in this series, Seed the Clouds, about getting out of some ruts, getting out of some negative patterns or habits, places of passivity, places of dysfunction. And when it comes to getting out of ruts, If when we sow to the flesh, it leads to spoiling where we've been sowing to the desires of the Spirit. A life of sowing to the flesh begins to wither away the momentum you and I have gained in sowing to the Spirit and walking in the Spirit and pursuing God's best for our life. This is why it's important. In Galatians 5... In verse 19, Paul says, before our main text in Galatians 6, now the works of the flesh are evident, meaning they can't be disputed. It's a clear evidence to all, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, which is pharmacia, that's substance abuse in the Greek, hatred, contentions, jealousies. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Did you know that the reason why there's so many denominations across the earth is a result of people depending upon the flesh, their own ability to understand what was divinely inspired, and not yielding to the only one who can rightly divide and interpret scripture, the Holy Spirit? Notice it says heresies come from it's a work of the flesh. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, one important note. The word fornication there in the Greek is the Greek word for sexual immorality. Now, this is very important because there is a lot of deception that is not just, of course, in the world where the world lies under the sway of the evil one, the devil, 1 John 5. But there's a lot of deception of the world trying to get into the mindsets of the hearts of God's people and God's church. When it comes to sexual immorality, God established in the Old Testament, the law of Moses, what he defines as sexually immoral. And so in the New Testament, you got to understand that Paul when he went into an area he first went to the Jews to preach that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the and the prophesied Messiah. What this means is he went to a people that already had a history with the scriptures and God's word and already knew how God had revealed and established what was clean or unclean, what was sexually pure or sexually impure, what was God's standard versus what was not God's standard. So in the New Testament, he doesn't always take time and spell it all out because he's ministering to people that already knew it was already spelled out in the Old Testament. And so you go in the New Testament, I mean, the Old Testament, and you find God's standard. And it's very important that you understand that God's standard re- regarding sexual uh, immorality and sexual morality hasn't changed, even though the covenant has changed. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Now, so sowing to the flesh feels good to sow it in the now, but it reaps feeling bad longer later. And let me talk about sowing to the Spirit. Sowing to the Spirit, when it comes to seeking Christ-formed habits and and Christ-formed character and getting out of ruts and having our mind renewed and experiencing transformation and and God's will and God's best for us, listen, it feels difficult to sow it in the now. But it reaps feeling better longer later. When you sow to the Spirit in the now, it feels difficult. But it reaps feeling better longer later. That's what Paul says in Galatians 6. He says, He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, oftentimes when we hear this text, because we have been wrongly uh, framed, our, our biblical worldview in the West of just thinking heaven and hell, we often just see this scripture as dealing with heaven and hell, and that's not what it's just dealing with. Paul has spent an entire letter leading up to this point. And he's not just talking about sowing to the flesh, you know, leads to being separated from God eternally and sowing to the Spirit leads to eternal life and being with God for eternity. He's talking about how sowing to the flesh and sowing to the Spirit affects you now, our life now. So when he says that when you learn to sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit, you reap everlasting life. Everlasting life, life there is the Greek word zoe. And what that means is, is the life that God designed and desires for you. What it's saying is, is you and I can experience the life that God created and designed and desires for us without sowing to the Spirit. When you reap after sowing to the Spirit, you're reaping the life that Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. So this has application not just for eternity, it has application for what we're harvesting in this life. And that's why in Galatians 5, and 23, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Just listen to the fruit of the Spirit in the context of the world we live in and just hearing it refreshes our weary soul. Just pausing for a moment and thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and kindness, gentleness and self-control. And then he says, against such there is no law. See, the, the fruit here is the everlasting life he's talking about in Galatians 6. That when you sow to the Spirit, you're reaping the life that God created, designed, and desires for you. A life of harvesting the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and longsuffering and kindness, which 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, these are spiritual words, and therefore God determines their spiritual meaning. We're not talking about how the world defines these words. These are spiritual words that God has spiritually defined through His Scriptures. But the point is this. Sowing to the Spirit might feel difficult to sow it in the now, but it reaps feeling better longer later. In Galatians 6 and verse 9, He says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, You know what this means? It means when you sow to the Spirit, you are doing good even when the flesh doesn't feel good doing it. When you sow to the Spirit, you're doing good even when the body doesn't feel good doing it. That's why He says don't grow weary while doing good. So here's the choice you and I face. You can feel good now and feel bad longer later, or you can feel the difficulty now but feel good longer later. Now and later. We have to have a sowing mindset as followers of Jesus that thinks about now and later. Somebody say now and later. Now, let me talk about walking contradictions. You and I are walking contradictions. In Galatians 5, verse 16, Paul says, leading up to our main text in Galatians 6, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, the bodily desires, lust against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You say, how does Paul know me so well? Because Paul knows all of the human dilemma. Because God's word reveals the predicament, the battle that all of us face. That we are walking contradictions. Notice what he says. He says they're contrary to one another. What do you call contrary to one another? A contradiction. You and I are walking contradictions. Why? Because we have the lust of the flesh. We have these lusts and desires of the body. We have these temporary instincts, these temporary wants and desires and impulses to do something now. And yet, as followers of Jesus that are born again, we have the Spirit's desires. You have the desires for the will of God. You have desires to harvest the life of godliness in Christ that God has made available for you. You have desires to walk in the good works that God prepared beforehand that you would walk in. So we are a walking contradiction because simultaneously we have these competing desires. Your spirit's desires and your flesh, your body's desires. Now here's a determining factor a determining key regarding what desires you fulfill and will walk in. And the determining key factor is the conscious mind. The conscious mind, and I'm very selective of that phrase, the conscious mind. The conscious mind means that intentional choices come into play. We don't stumble our way into walking in the Spirit's desires. It takes intentional choices. Now watch this. For intentional choices to happen, there has to be the conscious and alert mind. Meaning, we have to have in the now, the ability to reckon, Paul uses that word, you didn't know he was from Georgia, did you? But in Romans 6.11 he says you have to reckon yourself dead to sin but alive to God. Reckon in the Greek means to consider. You don't consider with your pinky toe. You don't consider with your tibia or fibia or your elbow. You consider with your mind. So a key in determining whether in the now you're going to sow to the bodily, temporal, fleshly desires or the Spirit's desires, is your ability in the now to consider and remember what you ultimately desire. And for you to consider and think about what you ultimately desire in the future, you have to be conscious, alert, and make an intentional decision in the moment. Now, you have to remember in the now what you ultimately desire in the future. We have to have a conscious mind, a sowing mindset that thinks about now and later in the moment. Not just now, but now and later. Now, why is this important? Because 90% of our choices are coming from the non-conscious part of our brain. This is why ruts and negative patterns and habits happen is that we have already made a lot of decisions up to this point of facing a current decision. And the previous decisions have formed perception, thoughts, emotions, feelings, attitudes, and all of that is what is by researchers and psychologists and scientists stored in the non-conscious part of your brain. Meaning, it is just influencing your decision in the now without you having to consciously be aware of how all of your life is trying to inform your decision in the moment. Now, the brain processes what we are calling the lust of the flesh in a different part of the brain than the part of the brain that is engaged when we walk in what we are calling the Spirit's desires. To walk in the Spirit's desires, your prefrontal cortex has to be involved. That is what is the critical thinking aspect of your brain. That is where intentional, thoughtful, conscious choices come from this is why us who are raising kids we're in this season where no is said about 40,000 times a day because the kids are making decisions in the now just based on the subconscious mind that's influencing now and their prefrontal cortex are not formed which is called the higher executive thinking meaning they don't have the way to critically think about what they're feeling and facing in the now. And so we're constantly having to say, no, not that, no, not this, and try to curb these temporary desires of the flesh from making wrong decisions. The issue is, is that the prefrontal cortex and the higher executive functions of the brain are not developed in many adults. Not. And that's why we get stuck in negative patterns, attitudes, and ways of living. Because in that area of life, self-control that engages the critical and the prefrontal cortex of our brain is not developed. And so we are just living off instincts. We're living off already information in the subconscious brain from choices we made in the past, what people have done to us, what we've brought upon ourselves, upbringing, memories, and the emotions and the thoughts surrounding those things. The good news for followers of Jesus is 2 Timothy 1.7. Paul writes to Timothy who is tackling a ama- major leadership challenge. He has been sent by Paul to oversee the growth of a church that is exploding in Ephesus. And he tells him as he faces major, major challenges and issues of leadership, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Notice the Spirit of God is connected not just to power and love, but to a sound mind. Sound mind means in the Greek, the original language that Paul wrote in, discipline or self-control. Did you know that the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to have a sound mind, to have self-control, to be a disciplined person? You know what a sound mind is? It's the opposite of being an impulsive person. It's the opposite of just living for the now bodily, lustful, temporary desires. The root of sound mind is a word that means to restore one to his or her right senses. To moderate, to control, to curb, to disciple, to hold one to his duty. You and I have access to the resource of God, God's Holy Spirit, who wants to empower us to have a sound mind for self-control in the now that we have a sowing mindset that we are living life thinking about now and later. Why is this important? Because Paul said, when you and I walk in the Spirit, we automatically will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Kelly McGonigal says, self-control is a better predictor of academic success than intelligence. Take that, SATs. A stronger determinant of effective leadership than charisma. Sorry, Tony Robbins. And more important for marital bliss than empathy. Yes, the secret to lasting marriage may be learning how to keep your mouth shut. Itself... Growing to learn how to control self. Watch this. It's called self-control. Why? Because we're walking contradictions. And we need to grow where we have an aspect of ourself that knows how to regulate and control the other aspects of ourself. These temporary lusts. And bodily desires. That we don't just think about the now. We have a sowing mindset that thinks about the now and later. The now and later. So listen. The Holy Spirit gives us power towards the devil. Empowers us to have love towards people. But empowers us to have a sound mind. A mind of self-control in our decision making. Hallelujah. Kelly goes on to say, it's the habit of noticing what you are about to do and choosing to do the more difficult thing instead of the easiest. Through each of these willpower exercises, the brain gets used to pausing before acting. Now let me explain because this is someone who's not a follower of Jesus and she is studying from a scientific what actually happens physiologically in and, and biology even to the cellular level when th- this takes place so let me interpret it in our spiritual language of scripture she uses willpower exercise she uses that for self-control for self-control so what she's saying is is that we have to get in the habit of when we're faced with choices to pause and to have self-control to monitor the other aspects of ourself. Because if you don't pause, then you just become impulsive. You just become driven with instincts, watch this, or previous established ruts, toxic thinking, toxic habits, toxic attitudes, and it just, boom, impulsively causes you to act based on that instead of Making a conscious, intentional decision in the now to sow to the Spirit. Sowing to the Spirit looks like self-control. Question you and I need to ask is what happens until you and I are led by the Spirit? Why do we need to ask that? Because look at Galatians 5 and 18. Paul says, but if, that's a key word, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Which means, if you're not led by the Spirit, you're vulnerable. So the question that I ask myself, and we need to ask ourselves, what happens in an area where we have not yet learned through the empowerment of depending on the Holy Spirit to have self-control, to be able to pause, to think about what we're thinking about, to think about with the sowing mindset, not just what we want now, but ultimately what we want later. What do we do until we're led by the Spirit in that area? Because he says, if you're led, you're not under law here is more than just the law of Moses. Of course, he is talking about that. But when you hear law, you need to think about any outward standard, measure, guide, regulation, or law. What he's saying is, if you're led by the Spirit, you don't need something outwardly to guide you because you've learned to depend inwardly on the Holy Spirit in the moment For now, and to think about your now choices in the light of what you also want later. But what do you do until you're led by the Spirit? You say, well, I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to have more willpower, more self-control. No, that's not going to work. Listen, because the reason why it won't work in that area is you don't have self-control established in that area yet. So how are you going to depend on more self-control? when you don't have enough self-control in that area. So, suppression will not work. Some people say, well, I'm just going to suppress those instincts, those thoughts. No. Listen, if you seek to try to suppress thought, you will actually empower those thoughts. Listen, the Bible doesn't teach to suppress thoughts. In 2 Corinthians 10, it teaches to take thoughts captive. Suppression is a motivation of fear. And fear will bind you and empower sin in your life. We're not taught to try to suppress. We are taught to learn that we can take the thoughts captive into obedience of Christ that you can reject the thought, you can choose not to identify with the thought, and you can replace the thought with God's thoughts about the issue in you and His will. Then, you can't suppress your emotions. Because in due time, they'll hit you like a freight train. And they'll leak out at some point. That's what a midlife crisis and other things are involved in. Emotions we don't suppress during this process. Listen, we acknowledge what we are experiencing... But we allow God's light and word to reveal what thoughts those very emotions are rooted in. Because thoughts and emotions are intertwined. We don't suppress desires. That's what religion teaches. But that's why a lot of religious people are meaner than snakes. Because it's hard to suppress everything going within and not be frustrated. It's like constantly shaking a two liter bottle and building it up, building it up. No, no, listen. When it comes to the de- desires, you don't suppress them. You find a greater desire that you desire more than that desire. And then you focus on and remember it in the time of the now and choice. This is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, in order not to live in the now for the fleshly bodily desires, a greater law has to be enacted. If you've ever flown on an airplane, that airplane did not eradicate gravity. A greater law was just activated than the law of gravity. And what Paul's saying is, is we're not trying to suppress and we can't eradicate this contradiction as we follow Jesus and wait for heaven. We just need to learn how to enact a greater law than the temporal desires of your body and your flesh. And that's the law of the Spirit. So when we're led by the Spirit, we're led by the Holy Spirit's wisdom on how to refuel our self-control. Because self-control is limited. In fact, Kelly goes on to say that anytime you have to fight an impulse, filter out distractions weigh competing goals or make yourself do something difficult, you use a little more of your willpower, your self-control strength. And when you're facing an issue where you're already lacking self-control in it, other areas of life are also depleting your self-control. So when you learn to be led by the Spirit, you are led by the Spirit's wisdom to learn how to refuel the fruit of self-control. But until you're led by the Spirit, you don't have the wisdom to know how to do that. So what do we do until we are led by the Spirit? We put some guardrails and guidelines and regulations and outward measurements and standards to curb and guard us least we destroy and bring greater ruin and infliction upon our life in the now or the coming days. So here's the question you and I need to ask. Until you know how to be led by the Spirit and refuel yourself through the Holy Spirit's wisdom, what guidelines are guarding you? What outward law and standard is guarding you until you learn to be led and depend on the sufficiency and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for self-control and a sound mind in your decision-making in the now? For some, maybe it's what... John Townsend talks about the the power of another. For some of you, maybe the guideline is having a friend that when you're faced with the now decision, you can text or call who will pray with you, who will remind you of your ultimate desire of a better harvest of God's future for you than just the temporary desires of the now. For some of you, maybe it's a connect group that reminds you of what you are committed to in the process of sowing to the Spirit and the harvest of the future you desire in Christ. For some of you, maybe it's getting in growth phases where we take teachings like this and spend hours and hours breaking it down scripturally for you to experience biblical transformation and what Christ has made available. For some of you, listen, it's knowing what you're vulnerable in and when you're most vulnerable. If you're eating a whole carton of ice cream after 10 p.m., then you need to know that after 10 p.m. you're very vulnerable and you need to get a guideline or a regulation to guard you going into 10 p.m. until you're led by the Spirit to just eat enough for the now and what you desire Later. Later. Regulation can be you're not going to go in the grocery to shop. You're going to order it online, pick it up. Because some of you, once you go in, everything starts looking amazing. I mean, their product placement is on point. The lighting, it's like the light of God shining on that. So what do you do until you learn to be led by the Spirit? You've got to put some outward laws and regulations to guard you. If you got money problems, you need to put some guard. I was last night. We needed to reserve something, and so I was going to get our credit card uh, that was put up because we never use it. And uh, going in, I, it there was part of the metal where I had it that cut my hand. I was in the mirror this morning thinking about this message, getting ready, and I th- saw that. I said, "That's what some of you need. You need like a you need like a point, right, when you try to reach the credit card." gives you a little cut on your hand to remind you of what you want, not just now, but also later. See, Kelly goes on to say the human brain has, at any given time, a very small supply of energy. It can store some energy in its cells, but it is mostly dependent on a steady stream of glucose circulating in the body's bloodstream. Special glucose-detecting brain cells are constantly monitoring The available energy. When it begins to see the available energy decreasing, the first expense to be cut, you want to know what it is? Self-control. One of the most energy, now again, when she used self-control, she's talking about conscious, intentional decisions. Alert mind that the brain performs. To conserve energy, the brain may become reluctant to give you the full mental resources you need to resist temptation, focus your attention, or control your emotions. When I read that, you know what it made me think of? It made me think of this video. So you guys grew up together? Yes, since third grade. What are you looking at? I, I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I don't know. What do you pick supermodels? Oh, oh, us. Supermodels. Oh, what Brad. are you model, gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So ladies, soul loses. Stacy, relax. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. Until you learn to be led by the Spirit, you're vulnerable. What guidelines? What guidelines can you put in place to guard you in the process of learning to depend on the sufficiency and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live with a sowing mindset of thinking about now and later in the moment of the now? Because God's got a harvest for you. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, The harvest He wants for you is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. But watch this. To get fruit, you first have to what? Sow seed in order for you to get the self-control and experience the victory and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for that area, you have to first start sowing to the Spirit. Meaning, you're going to have to, in the area you're stuck, in the dysfunction, and the negative patterns, negative attitudes, negative emotions, you're going to have to do what feels difficult in the now, sow to the Spirit, so that you can have a better harvest longer later. This is why you gathering is so important. And not just gathering when you want to, but gathering through discipline and consistency. Because what that does is it helps you grow in depending on the Holy Spirit and experience the fruit of self-control. And the more self-control you get in other areas, it frees your energy and your focus to stuck on maybe what you've been stuck in for seasons and years. So let me ask you this. Is your area you're stuck in related to you needing to do something? Is it related to action orientation an action that needs to happen? If so, listen, you need to do it early in the day. Some of you, when it comes to self-control of engaging in God's Word, you, you, you just sort of roll the dice. You, you plan on reading before you go to bed. The problem is by the time... You get there at night. You have used so much of your relational trust in depending on the Holy Spirit through other self-control issues throughout the day that you are depleted and you've not yet learned how to depend on the Holy Spirit for self-control in that area. That's why it's not a habit yet. So in that moment, you don't feel like doing it and you're just thinking about the now so you don't do it. So what you have to do when it's action-oriented is you got to tackle that stuff early in the day. Is it related to you abstaining from something? If it's an area that's related to you abstaining from something, then don't focus on it. Focus and do something in its place that connects to your reward, your goal, or the treasure you're ultimately after in the future. That's where I call you need dopamine discernment. What happens in your brain and how it affects your feeling dopamine dopamine though is misunderstood often because dopamine is actually released for the pursuit of a reward that's why people will continue to do things that don't reward them but they still have great motivation and focus to do it because listen dopamine is released in the brain to help you pursue where you attach your reward and value to. And when the dopamine is released, it increases your focus and your motivation and your attention, and it gives you positive emotions. So you got to discern and decide what is the reward you really want. Is it a temporary reward or do you want a greater reward? And if you'll attach your, your reward to the right rewards, then you won't experience pursuing wrong things. Let me talk about, as we begin to conclude, keeping the link. Paul in Romans 8 and verse 5 and 6. Come on, Jesse. says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I've never met a follower of Jesus that didn't want to experience more of the life that Jesus came to give and more of the peace of God. But in order to do that, you got to keep the link. What's he talking about? He's talking about the difference between a fleshly focused mind and a spiritually focused mind. Did you know you can have dopamine released? You can have a physical, biological help to pursue the reward. Even if it's a spiritual reward. If you'll set your heart that you desire that reward more than a temporary fleshly reward. But you got to keep the link between what you're focusing on and what you ultimately desire. Do you ultimately desire to experience all the life that Jesus has purchased for you? Do you ultimately desire to have more of a kingdom experience of His peace, a kingdom of peace? Then you have to keep your mind focused on that because what Paul is teaching is that the choices we make is the result of what our mind's focusing on. He says, Those that walk in the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Those who walk in the Spirit, who experience the Spirit's desires and harvests the Spirit's fruit, set their mind on the things of the Spirit. This is why, until you learn to be led by the Spirit, if you got an eating problem, if you keep the food out of sight, it actually helps you. Because when you see it, it triggers things. That's why we got to be a church that regardless of what we're going through, we give God the high praises He deserves. So people come in and they go, do you not know what's going on out there? And we say, oh, we know. You need to know what's going on in here. God is a God of hope. And a God of, is a God of restoration. And God is a God that gives new life. And we have the hope of not just heaven then, but His kingdom coming now. Oh, hallelujah. You got to set your treasure. What's your treasure? And then set your mind and keep the link of your mind on that treasure. What do you ultimately desire? See, Galatians 6 6, Paul concludes our main text in verse 9. He says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Lose heart actually means in the Greek, faint, not. And the Greek word for faint means to unloose. To set free. To dissolve and to weaken. What's he saying? He's saying you're going to reap if you don't loose the link between the treasure, what you ultimately desire, and you focusing on it. Don't just get where you're focused on the now. Keep the link of a sowing mindset to think about in the now what you also want later. Someone say now and later. You know, when you faint, it's because oxygen gets cut off from the brain. If you're a UFC fan, people tap out or they get choked out through a headlock because the oxygen gets cut off from the brain. When you get focused on the wrong reward, it cuts off the oxygen of God's Spirit to help empower you. To keep the link in the now of what you ultimately want later. Paul gives us a little help in understanding how not to lose heart. In 2 Corinthians four sixteen. come on man, verse 18, 16 through 18. He says, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man, that's your spirit, that's what we've been talking about, is being renewed day by day. Renewed there means strengthened. That's why Jesus said... And he taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, our daily strengthening in our spirit. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look, watch this, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul tells us, he tells us the key of how not to lose heart. He says, you don't get looking and focused on what is seen. You don't keep looking at the rut. You don't keep looking at the dysfunction. You don't keep looking at what's always been in your life in the negative emotions and the hurt because that is temporary what's seen. Oh, but if you could see what God sees in the unseen of the harvest He has for your future. Oh, if you could see how God sees you in the future walking in the promises of God that are yes and amen. Walking in the victory that Jesus purchased for you. Walking dependent and full of the Holy Spirit and self-control. Living in the good land of the Lord's provision Paul says look you don't put the link you don't get your mind focused on the trial and what the rut no no you keep the link and your mind focused on the ultimate desire and reward you want for your future if you keep looking at where you failed, if you keep looking at your struggles, if you keep looking at what people's done to you, if you keep looking at how the past has tried to dictate you and determine you and label you, then you will stay stuck. But God says to those things that you have been stuck in, they are temporary. They are temporary, so why don't you put your eyes on the that which is eternal? My word that can change your situation, that can transform you, that can give you a harvest of the fruit of the spirit and the blessings and the provisions of God. See, you got to put your treasure there. You got to put your link there. You got to link yourself. To your ultimate desire or greater desire than what's pressing upon you in the now, you got to do what I call—you got to throw your anchor over there. You might be in a storm, and there might be winds and waves and circumstances pressing you, but you got to throw your anchor on the other side of the storm and say, "I'm not going to get bogged down, focused and obsessed on the dysfunction and the failure and what I am. I have anchored and put my link on the harvest of what God has for me in the future." How? hallelujah see Jesus taught this in Matthew 6 21 he says your heart follows your treasure your heart follows your treasure your treasure is determined by your values your values are determined by spending time thinking about what you ultimately desire That's why gathering is so important. That's why getting in a connect group is so important. That's why spending time through spiritual disciplines is so important. Is This is space to pause and to think, what is my greater desire? Where do I want to end up in life? What do I want to harvest in my future? And then I set my treasure as that. And my heart follows that. I'm anchored into the future harvest that God wants. I now have an ability to begin to trust the Holy Spirit in the now. When needs and desires are pressing in the now, to not just think about the now, but to think about now and later. You're getting it. Keep the link on what you sow now with what you ultimately desire then. Put your treasure... It's what God ultimately desires for you. It'll give you purpose and strength when you feel distracted or weak. When you feel distracted or weak, bring the treasure to mind. So the question now for us is how will you remind yourself of your greater desires when the immediate desires occur? How will you remind yourself and pause and become consciously aware in the moment, both of now and later, how will you live with a sowing mindset, a Holy Spirit-empowered existence? Paul said you're called to. You're to stand in. You're to live in. You're to walk in. You're to be led by. You're to soul to. And you're to wait by. And then experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit. A Holy Spirit empowered existence. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.